Hi to all of you out there in Interlet land. This is Richard Bay Talk, and I'm Richard Bay. Albert Reynoso is my producer. And today I'm going, I'm going to discuss something where I, I know I'm in the minority opinion. Most people don't agree with me. And I know, Albert, you saw the Trump town hall, but you don't want to discuss it in a public forum. I understand no. that. I, a lot of other people do, and they have been all week. Now, if you're on the left, you're, con you're concentrating on the fact that Caitlin Collins once worked for Tucker Carlson or when she was, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago when she was in college, she wrote something derogatory or she used a slur about gays. Um, and uh, if you're on the right, you're saying, oh, this is all a setup and she's a puppet of her masters. I just wonder what people will say when they do a Biden town hall and it's full of Biden supporters uh, on, the, on the left. Will they be cheering it on the right? Will they be saying it's all a setup or I don't know. But listen, I watched the entire thing and I thought Caitlin Collins did a great job. Uh, I also think that in the end, in the long run, this is not going to help Trump. There are many senators who spoke out about it and said they were appalled on it. Not many, but five or six, which is, you know, 10 percent. Um, Trump supporters loved it. You know, they were laughing and cheering. And I, I will say this, the audience was told before the town hall that they could applaud, but they couldn't sh uh, show displeasure uh, with Trump. So, I mean, come on. And the fact that almost every person <clears throat> that stepped to the microphone had voted for Trump uh, once in a while. Do you know that in in New Hampshire, 42% of the voters are independents. And under New Hampshire law, an independent can step up to the voting place on voting day and just say, I want to be a Republican or I want to be a Democrat and then vote in the primary. So these people, you know, on, will have a lot of power, these independents. And it seemed to me like the independents that they chose were pre-inclined to be supporters of Trump. Now, I don't think this gained him one independent voter. It didn't gain him one suburban women in the privacy. It didn't gain him one voter who cares about American democracy. Now, do you know this I found surprising? In the election of 2020, Biden won New Hampshire. 53% of the voters voted for Biden. 45% voted for Trump. I mean, that's a pretty big spread. And you're telling me that there were no independents who voted for Biden in that audience? Now, that's the part of it that seems like a setup. Not Caitlin Collins, who I think, as somebody who used to do this for a living, did an exemplary job of challenging him at every lie, at every delusion, and she knew her facts on the spot. It ain't an easy thing to do. Now, Chris Sununo, you've heard me talk about him before. He's the governor of the former 
Uh, he's the son of the governor of the former governor of New Hampshire, and he is the current governor of New Hampshire. Now, I would never vote for him based on policy. He's a libertarian. He's too far right for me. But he is rational. He's not delusional. And he's the governor of the state. And he found what happened on that stage with Trump to be embarrassing. Take a look at this clip. Curious just what your reaction was when it you was started laughing. Right? Now, I, I can understand as the, as the camera panned through that audience, I knew pretty much everybody in that. They're all Trump supporters. Yeah. Right. So the audience was absolutely filled with Trump supporters. So I wasn't surprised to hear the support. But when you're talking about a serious issue like that and, and, and laughter and, and mocking and all that, that's it's completely inappropriate, without a doubt. And it doesn't shine a, a positive light on New Hampshire. But again, understand what the audience makeup was. Large percentage of Trump supporters. Oh, I would say almost all of them. Yeah, I think I, I have to go back and look. But to Caitlin's credit, I think she'd say this is so and so. And this person voted for you in 16 and 20 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're an undeclared voter. But I believe every single one of them had voted for Trump at some point. So that, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know who, uh, how they how they determine that and set that up. But obviously, it was a room full of Trump supporters. So no one should have been surprised to hear the support. But again, on that issue, it was, it was I, I would call it embarrassing. All right. And uh, I didn't think Caitlin Collins' performance was embarrassing. I watch I watch every political debate I can, even those debates for governor or senator in states uh, where I don't live. Colorado and Florida and Georgia. And, uh, you know, oh, I do live in Florida. But anyway, uh, New York. I mean, I watch all these debates. I think Caitlin Collins did the best job of any debate moderator that I've seen over the last decade. And I watch a lot of them. And I used to do this sort of thing for a living. Uh, I think you could apply to her that old repeated axiom that uh, people gave to uh, Elizabeth Warren. Nevertheless, she persisted. Now, MSNBC, oh my God, those people unloaded upon her like crazy and dragged up everything they could from her past. And, you know, people do change. Sometimes uh, people are conservative and they become liberal. And, some and she had a job as a journalist, and I thought she did a fair job. But it's hypocritical for an arm of NBC to be criticizing this town hall when we all have probably forgotten the town halls that NBC sponsored with Trump back in the 2016 election. And the current resident of New Zealand who is hiding out there, Matt Lauer, a man known for his high respect for women like Trump, was the moderator. Now, maybe you've forgotten this, but Matt Lauer's flaccid performance, maybe that was the only thing about him that was flaccid, in 2016 was nothing that the NBC Corporation should be proud of. Take a look at this. Let me... Yes, you can talk. you all for one word, not you, but the rest of you, one word. Give me one word to describe this campaign. Leadership. Incredible. Inspiring. Certainly energetic. <laughs> Motivational. When people see that I'm going to bring jobs back to this country, when they see that I'm going to strengthen up the military, when they see that I'm going to have strong borders like nobody else can have, and we will build the wall, and Mexico will pay for the wall, by the way. But when they see that 
We're getting rid of Obamacare, which is a total disaster. There is nobody that respects women more than I do. There is nobody that will take care of women's health issues better than I will. Hillary cannot do it. Believe me, she doesn't have the strength, the energy. She will not be able to do it. You know, I was against the war in Iraq. I said, you don't go in. You're going to destabilize the Middle East. I was so strong against Iraq. I'll tell you this, out of all the offensive things he said, that one, which he repeated over and over again in the campaign, was one that struck me as personally onerous, as someone who risked my job speaking every day about the phony WDMD evidence and the unnecessary invasion of Iraq and what would happen afterwards. I searched high and low for people who would support my position, and they were rare um, they were rare ducks, I have to tell you that. Most of them were conservatives, like uh, Pat Buchanan or the Cato Institute or Justin Raimondo, who ran a website called, he was a libertarian who ran a website called uh, antiwar.com. Um, but there were very few people, especially in the public eye, and Trump certainly, as one of the most recognizable New Yorkers, would have been one of those people. He wasn't against the war in Iraq until uh, public sentiment changed later on. In fact, the only the only instance where he even discussed the invasion of Iraq was on the Howard Stern show, where he said that he supported it. So that was complete bullshit. As for respecting women, um, you know, we know what kind of joke that is. So we have a delusional autocrat and a demagogue as the front-runner for the Republican nomination. And then we have a prissy, egotistical aristocrat, I mean, I'm sorry, not autocrat, and demagogue as a distant number two. And I'll discuss him in a moment. But first, we're facing a crisis this week, and Trump had some advice about the death, debt limit at this um raising the debt limit at this so-called town hall. This is what he said. The Republicans out there, congressmen, senators, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. And I don't believe they're going to do a default because I think the Democrats will absolutely cave because you don't want to have that happen. But it's better than what we're doing right now because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So you know just to be clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not agree to the spending cuts, Republicans well, are demanding. You might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. You once said that using the that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You you said that sure. when you were in the That's Oval when Office. I was to, so why is it different now that you're out of office? Because now I'm not president. <laughs> Yeah, that's very funny. We're facing a crisis over uh, paying debts that we've already incurred. We've, this has never happened in the history of the United States. And there is a constitutional amendment, <clears throat> the 14th Amendment, that says that the debts of the United States shall not be questioned. But it's a joke for all these goons in the audience there and for Donald Trump, who was the self-styled king of debt, a guy who added $8 trillion to the national debt in the four years he was president. When he left, it was $28 trillion. Um, but when he ran for office back then, he said, oh, 
I'll pay down the national debt in a period of, of eight years, because this man will say anything, no matter how ridiculous. Um, so this morning, Kevin McCarthy is saying, oh, they're far apart, and Biden wants a default on the debt. Now, why would Biden want a default on the debt? Do you know how serious that'll be? People are already being warned if they're on Social Security to save money because your Social Security checks won't be coming. We won't be able to pay the military. And interest rates? Interest rates will skyrocket as the U.S. debt is downgraded. Isn't it strange that the last time we faced a crisis like this, it was under Barack Obama, another Democratic president? And here's one more fact I'll throw at you. In, in, in proportion, in ratio, to the GDP of the country, the three presidents who have raised and increased the debt the most in the over 200 years of our American democracy have all been Republicans. One of them, understandably, was Abraham Lincoln because he was fighting a, a very um, costly civil war. The other was George Bush, the son. Oh, he had a war too. And the third, the third person to raise the debt proportionally the most was Donald J. Trump. Okay, so what are they talking about in this uh, uh, debt limit here? Um, let me see. I have some figures here. This is what uh, McCarthy has proposed and they've passed uh, in, the, uh, in the House. Basically, what they're saying is we want to get rid of everything that Biden has accomplished over the last two and a half years. They want to abandon the support for the IRS, which, by the way, will decrease the debt because there'll be increased audits and people who would, will have to pay their taxes. I mean, do you know that millionaires, they, uh, what was it, 20, 2009, there were like 30% of millionaires were audited. Do you know what it was last year? 3%. Uh, so they want to get rid of his expansion of IRS funding. They want to repeal all his green energy initiatives, any support for wind and solar and other forms of green energy. Even so, the Republicans, when they passed this in the House, basically by one vote, Mr. George Santos, that's why you're so important. But when they stayed up all night doing this, People in Iowa said, oh, you can't get rid of the support for ethanol. So they added that back in. That wasn't a problem. They want to repeal student forgiveness. They want to increase power to block Biden's administration regulations. And then they want to restrict everything to every to 1% uh, on everything except the military. Now, the McCarthy plan reportedly saves about $4.5 trillion over 10 years. It doesn't include anything in terms of increasing revenue. In fact, it will decrease revenue if they, if they cut back the IRS. Uh, Biden's plan um, calls for, uh, let's see, raising taxes on billionaires, corporations, Lowering Medicare drug costs to the, uh, you know, to the uh, uh, government and IRS enforcement. So Biden's plan 
uh, is estimated to cut 2.5 to 3 trillion over 10 years. It's also a um, debt reduction plan. All right, now, I, I am so amazed that people don't even understand the difference between the national debt, which is accrued over years, and the yearly budget. I mean, some most people don't even understand the difference, including some of the uh, broadcasters on Fox News. I'm talking about you, Sean Hannity. Um, so basically what the Republicans are are saying to um, to President Biden is this uh, from the National Lampoon cover, uh, cover here. If you don't buy this magazine, we'll kill this dog. If you don't eradicate everything you've accomplished in your administration, we'll kill the economy of this country. Uh, and of course, uh, as you just heard, Trump says, great, you know, let's 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 go into crisis mode this is the guy who is the king of debt who stiffed people who doesn't pay the bills that he owes and remember that this this is legislation and money that congress has already spent completely different from what we spend in the next year. They're two different things, and they should be dealt with separately. All right, now to go to the other guy, DeSantis. It just came across the news that there's a teacher in Florida being investigated because she showed a Disney cartoon to fifth-grade students. Um, fifth-grade students, every one of whom, every student in that class had a permission slip from their parents saying it was okay to watch this Disney cartoon. But oh, did the Disney cartoon have a monster? Did it have sexual innuendo? Did it show, uh, you know, two people actually having sex together? No, this was a Disney cartoon that included one gay character. And she's being investigated, even though every parent said it's okay. Um, so this is DeSantis who says we have the free state of Florida. Well, yeah, it's free for DeSantis to censor anybody who disagrees with them and punish them. He's the great punisher. He punished Disney. He's punished the prosecutor in Tampa who spoke out about uh, DeSantis's law. It's a, he's a person that, uh, that has the freedom to violate the state constitution and the U.S. Constitution. He's the the free Governor DeSantis has the freedom uh, to violate the specific words of a statute passed by his own legislature or an amendment passed by 63% of Floridians to the Florida Constitution. That's his version of freedom. And of course, now he's just signed another bill that will allow doctors not to treat somebody if they have a moral or ethical or religious objection uh, to that person. So um, I, I wonder if this new law might be applicable to a doctor who says it's ethical not to perform an abortion on a woman who wants to have determination over her own health and her own body. 
I mean, what if a doctor said that? Or what if a doctor said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. DeSantis, uh, but uh, I don't treat fascists. So uh, I think you'll just have to pray away your cancer. I mean, this little tin pot authoritarian is the number two person for governor. They say he's going to announce he's already campaigning in Iowa. And to tell you the truth, another reason why I didn't mind this town hall is that is that I think DeSantis is more dangerous in an election uh, than Trump might be. Because Trump is a bull in a china shop. And he's all, he's out front. You see him when he's thrashing and he's wailing and he's screaming. DeSantis is a devious little punk who sets up all of his little uh, ducks in a row before he comes down and quashes, um, you know, quashes any opposition to him. So I would rather see Trump uh, in, in as the Republican nominee than DeSantis. The other thing is, uh, you know, this teacher who is now being investigated for showing a Disney cartoon to fifth graders, all of whom had parental permission slips. In the fifth grade, I read, was it fifth or sixth? I read 1984. And you know what? There's intercourse in the book, 1984. Yes, Winston has sex with Julia. And I stood up and told the class about it. Oh, my God, what would have happened to me if I was a fifth grade student in Florida at this point in time? But what I think um, Florida students should do to make uh, um, DeSantis's head explode is this. In 1969, the Supreme Court came up with a, a historical judgment. It was called um, Tinker versus Des Moines. All right, now it, it cemented this, a student's right to free speech in public schools. Mary Beth Tinker, she was a 13-year-old girl, and she was part of a demonstration with other students where they wore black armbands coming to school to protest the Vietnam War. And the Supreme Court found for the students in 1969, 7-2 decision, an overwhelming majority, that students do not shed their constitutional rights of freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate, only if their actions are disrupt disruptive to education, uh, meaning if they you know, came in class and started shouting or stopped other students uh, from uh, actually studying or dis uh, disrupted the, uh, the teacher in any way. But wearing a black armband was none of those things. But it was an example of personal expression protected by the Constitution. That's what the judges said. So I propose that students, instead of walking out of class in demonstration, they come to school wearing this armband because it's protected by the U.S. Supreme Court. And those parents who find the autocratic impulses of, of these moms for no liberty, mom, uh, one mother who can say, I don't want any parent to be able to have their child to take this book out of the library, that they, those parents ask their, their children, do you want to wear this? Especially high school kids. I don't know, elementary schools 
kids might face some sort of uh, reprobation that is is harmful to them. But especially middle school, high school kids, wear this armband and Equity Florida stand outside the school across the street and hand them out to students. Okay, For those who are only listening, can you explain what the armband is? <laughs> Does anybody not know what the armband is? No, it's they the, can't see it. I'm saying for the people. Oh, 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 it's, it's the rainbow armband. Yeah. And and DeSantis and his his Moms for Liberty have banned any displays or flags of the rainbow image in a school classroom. So that's been banned. But not the armband. You can't ban this, according to the Supreme Court. All right, so yesterday was Mother's Day. And there were so many sweet remembrances of mothers. I'm going to talk about mine in just a moment. But uh, first, let's take a look at this. This was Barack Obama who posted this. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you all take a moment to appreciate all the moms and mother figures in your life and be there for people who may be missing theirs. To Michelle Obama, thanks for being such an amazing mom to our beautiful girls. You set an exa uh, incredible example for all of us. How sweet is that? And there's uh, uh, Michelle and the two um, uh, daughters that they that they have. All right. The next one is Joe Biden. This is what, no, no. The next one is Joe Biden. Do we have that? No, 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 Joe. Biden. All right. All right. Then let me just go right to this. I thought I sent the Joe Biden one, but Joe Biden sent a sweet one too. This is Donald J. Trump. Happy mother's day to all in particular, the mothers, wives, and lovers of the radical left fascists, Marxists, and communists who are doing everything within their power to destroy and obliterate our once great country. Please make these complete lunatics and maniacs kinder, gentler, softer, and more importantly, smarter so that we can quickly make America great again. This guy's a monster. He has a mother. Did he, did he, his wife is a mother. He has a son. We rarely see them together as a family. Of course, all the other kids are trotted out, uh, you know, to support uh, Donald Trump. But this guy's a monster. All right. So, of course, Mother's Day yesterday, I'm sure all of you either uh, remembered your mothers fondly if she was no, no longer here or tried to spend the day with your mother. My mother did pass away in uh, 2002 and she was incredible. Let me just let me just tell you two brief stories. One of them is one day, my mother was an Irish Catholic and my father was a Jew. We were all raised Jews. I was bar mitzvahed. And one day I walked into the kitchen and my mother was crying. And I said, mom, what's the matter? She said, none of my None of my sons can say a mass for a pope, for the Pope. Now, this was the time when <coughs> one Pope died after another in the 80s. There were three of them, and they all, one, two of them died, and then finally the third one, he survived somehow. Um, so I said, oh, Mom, and I gave her a hug. Years later, on my TV show, I had an Irish priest on the show. So I was talking to him about this and how my mother always complained, Jackie Onassis can receive the sacraments and I can't. How come this is so unfair? And the priest said to me, man, the church has changed. Bring your mother to me and I'll bring her back into the church. Um, and uh, so I went to my mother and I said, mom, 
I've got an Irish priest. He says he'll do everything. You can take the sacraments in the church again. I know your religion was much more important to you than dad's religion was to him even. He couldn't even read Hebrew. Um, and my mother said, Richard, you know, my mother had this Irish accent where she said things like Atlantic Beach or Atlantic Ocean. And whenever she said my name, it sounded some too close for comfort to wretched. Wretched, I've been with your father for 50 years. We're like a tree, uh, two trees where the roots grow together and you can't separate them. If your father's going to hell, then I'm going to hell. If your father's going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. And my mother, um, my mother uh, never converted. The other thing I remember about her is the way she would cook for me. Um, she, she knew I loved eggplant parmesan and I loved lasagna and every family celebration, she would make the most delicious eggplant parm and lasagna. Even though she was Irish, she was great at making that Italian food and she did it because she loved me. All right. So here, I'm lucky to have this. Here are some pictures and videos of my mother as I remember her today. There's my mother. And you know something about this shot is that um, this was taken the day they opened the Lincoln Road Mall in Miami Beach, Florida. This was the first day it became a mall. It used to be a, a regular street. So if you've ever been to Miami Beach, you know that they have this uh, area where you can walk and there are shops. There are no cars. There are trolleys. And we went there for the opening day. And look at Pugsley sitting next to my mother. That's me, little chubby boy, Richard Bay. Um, I don't know how old I was then. I, I, I always felt up. like uh, I had achieved something, sure. I but didn't you feel like you kind of had to be an example for your two younger brothers? Nope. You didn't? You didn't? Nope. No. You because didn't. Uh, no? in some ways they were, well, the, 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 the youngest. You know, she would just say, you know, uh, never forget where you came from, never mm -hmm. forget mm -hmm. who you are, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, are the other two boys as close to you as Richard is? Yes. They mm -hmm. are? You don't think either, like, Richard is closer to you because he's the oldest, perhaps? I think Richard is more lovable. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a good natured boy. He never forgets our anniversary, birthday, and of course, Mother's Day is Sunday. Uh, well, he won't forget that. Yeah, and I didn't forget it this time either, Mom. Betty Bay. Her love for her children was ferocious, and that's the right word. She was like a lioness, always protecting her cubs, and uh, I'm sure I joined my brother's in the thought that we miss you every day. All right, now let's talk a bit about inflation. Uh, because one thing never mentioned was, you know, next month is June. Do you know what inflation was last June? 9.1%. Do you know what it is now? 4.9%. Now, uh, Biden doesn't get any credit for this, and maybe he shouldn't have. But he certainly got blamed for inflation, even though inflation in the European Union was higher uh, than the United States. Was he the president of the European Union? In fact, the last inflation figures show that the EU inflation is rising while it's decreasing in America. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe Joe Biden should get some credit for that since he got the blame. Now, as you know, if you watch this podcast, I do the I can't believe it's butter 
inflation index. Now, I use this when I go to the movies. I spray it on popcorn. I spray it on baked potatoes uh, rather than uh, using real butter. When it goes on sale, I, I buy six of them and put them in the fridge. It's full of chemicals, so it, it never goes bad. Um, so uh, what do we have first? The Publix shot? Here it is. I used to buy this, and it was like, you know, $3.50. This is what it is now at Publix. $5.55. $2 more? But then the other day, I went to Target. And this is, at Target, it's three ninety nine. dollars All right, listen, I can imagine that stores have different prices. But a $1.50 difference? which leads to my inclination to believe that a lot of these stores during inflation raise their prices and are just keeping them at that uh, particular heightened uh, price. So uh, anyway, from now on, I'm going to Target to get my, I can't believe it's not butter. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, it's much appreciated. And I hope you had a good time. I hope there were things here that you learned that you didn't know before. And as always, I send to you all my best. Take care.